This is TK331, a Star Wars EU slash Legends podcast. I'm Crystal, a Star Wars enthusiast, but I've never read a thing I liked that I couldn't complain about a little bit. And I'm Thomas, a Star Wars completionist who has previously read the entirety of the EU. So, what are we talking about today? Today we are returning to Tales from Drama's Palace and talking about Old Friends' Effent Mon's Tale. Written by Kenneth C. Flint, edited by Kevin J. Anderson, and published by Phantom Spectra in January 96. This is the second and final short story that Kenneth C. Flint had wrote for the EU. The first was in Tales from the Most Eisley Cantina when he wrote Dr. Death, The Tale of Dr. Evazan, and Ponda Baba. He also wrote the cantal novel The Heart of the Jedi, which was supposed to be published in 1993. However, it was made available to purchase in 2021 for a few months before the listing was removed from Amazon. Oh, this is that thing. Yep. Wow. Or that author. Old Friends tells the story of Effent Mon, probably the only being in the galaxy who could actually be considered a friend of Jabba the Hutt. The two have a shared history and connection that no one else has with the Hutt. Interesting. Interesting. You know what's interesting? The illustration on the first page of the story. Yeah. I I don't recognize Effent Mon. Is he visible anywhere in episode six? I think he's in the background somewhere. You can see him somewhere. Yeah, that is a face. That is all face. So, like, he's here. Okay. Yeah, even even seeing, like, stills and stuff from the movie, I don't recognize him. I almost wonder if in the special edition they put some, something else over him, because, like, different characters were changed and replaced in 97. Maybe. Maybe that's why he's so unfamiliar to you. Yeah, he's kind of just this, like, cloaked figure, big... Big head, big head, long, like, trunk-like protrusion from the face. Yeah, his face is the actual trunk. Yeah. And otherwise just kind of amorphously shaped. Got some hair on top of him. Oh, yeah, gross. It would be better without the hair. (laughs) Effent Mon sees Luke enter Jabba's palace, and something about Luke just raises Effent's hackles. He watches Luke and Bip Fortuna talk and hides as the group walks by. Bip and the guards don't see him, but Luke does. And Effet just feels a power coming off of Luke when their gazes meet. You could almost say it's a romance. You couldn't. No. You couldn't almost say that. <laughs> a, a few lines felt almost like this could be a romance novel in a different context. You clearly don't read a lot of romance nope. novels. Afterwards, he goes to see Barada, a Clatoonian who is a ship-slash-speeder mechanic and indentured to Jabba. He's one of the few beings in the palace that Effet Mon likes. Effent asks to borrow something fast and is given an XP-38A speeder, and he heads for Moss Eisley. He goes to the Lucky Despot Hotel and gets a drink. He's housed by some of the clients, but deals with them, and then goes to see one Lady Valerian, Jabba's mm. chief rival. She asks if he thought more about, about it, and he says he doesn't need to. And she can't believe that he's so loyal to Jabba, especially given what she's offering. So she's clearly offering him some... She's trying to poach huge him. amount of money. Yeah. To uh, betray Jabba. She says that Jabba will fall soon, if not to her, then to someone else. And he agrees with this statement. He knows Jabba is eventually going Prime to lose. Prime target. Yeah. He is constantly warning Jabba about the plots that he knows about, but he knows he can't find them all. She says if Effort survives the fall, he can work for her. No hard feelings. He heads back to the palace and learns that Luke killed the Rancor. He talks with Tessic, one of Jabba's lieutenants, and very untrustworthy. Tessic believes that Skywalker is a Jedi. He's the one who destroyed the Death Star, has fought Vader, and Tessic thinks he's here to destroy Jabba. One must wonder, 
after doing all of those other things, why on earth would Luke bother coming here to kill Jabba? He thinks an alliance plot is afoot and wants Effent Mon to tell Jabba about it. He says that Effent is Jabba's most trusted ally, maybe his only friend. Effent decides to go see this Jedi Knight before talking to Jabba. Quick aside, do you think in Hatties, a foot is not a word and it's like a tail or a stomach instead? A wiggle? Yeah. <laughs> Something's <laughs> a wiggle. <laughs> he runs into Riyiz on the way and the Grand threatens Effent Mon. So Effent shoves Riyiz against the wall and gets Riyiz to admit that Tessic has a deal with the Empire. Effent then continues on to the dungeon. Plots within plots. Luke says, as they meet, that Effent Mon is a true friend of Jabba's. Effent is impressed by the mind-reading trick. Luke says that Jabba is in danger, but Effent can save him by convincing the Hutt to release them. Otherwise, Luke will have no choice but to act. Effent asks, with what help? And Luke says, no help, just us. And it's him, a blind man, and a Wookiee. Yep. He doesn't mention Lando or R2. It's an angry Wookiee. Or 3PO or Leia, but yeah. So a little bit of help. Effen is about to say he won't be able to convince Jabba when Luke suddenly just reaches out and grabs his shoulder suddenly. And Effen relives much of his life and Luke sees that Effen is not evil and not like Jabba. Luke feels the good in him but knows he has lost his way. Luke tells Effen to find the good in himself and save Jabba. He says he'll try, but he doesn't think Jabba will listen. Luke says if he fails, don't stay with Jabba. Find your true life again instead. Effent goes to Barada and says he needs to try to convince Jabba to not kill the prisoners. Barada warns him that Jabba could kill him for this. Effent owes Jabba. He risked his life for him. So he's going to try anyway. Back in the day, they were partners in a gunrunning scheme, and they were liberating a cache of Imperial weapons. But they were ratted out, and Imperial forces soon came down on them, and the rest of the crew ran, but the two of them fought and killed the stormtroopers who came after them. But they were stranded, and it's, it was a, a nice moon, so it was freezing when night fell. So Jabba wrapped himself around Effen to keep him warm, and the hut nearly froze himself. Maybe the only selfless act in Jabba's illustrious life? Still not, like, totally selfless, but pretty close. As close as he's going to get. He risked his life for another. Yeah. Effen goes to Jabba and asks him not to do this. Bib speaks and says that Effen is up to something. He must be in league with the prisoners. Okay. <laughs> you were the one who instantly got whammied. <laughs> Effen says this is bigger than all of the other plots. It is the Force. Bib says Jabba can't show fear of anything, including Jedi Knights. And Jabba agrees. They must die. Effen then says he can't go with Jabba. Jabba won't kill him, but says this ends their friendship. And Effen replies to that, you can't call it over. I can. Barada is right. I've repaid my debt to you a hundred times over. And Jabba replies to that, repaid? There was never more than a debt to you. I am sorry for that. And Jabba leaves. Effent says quietly, too quietly for Jabba to hear, it was more than a debt. Goodbye, old friend. He sees the Jedi board the skiff and is worried for him, but Luke looks over and gives him a confident grin. As Effent Mon watches the sail barge leave, he looks out at the sand-covered landscape and thinks of a greener one. He knows what he needs to do now. He'll go home. Ending the story. So what'd you think? It was interesting. There were like some bits, especially at the beginning when it feels like Effen is just sort of like touring through a bunch of like this cast of characters that we sort of know. Lady Valerian, Riyiz, yeah. Bib Fortuna, etc. Like stopping over at all of them where I was like, I don't know if I really needed all of this. 
Like, I know that they're there, and I... I think Valerian was the one that felt the most out of place to me, but I think it helps show... That was the one that felt the most important to me. But yeah, it's also the most important because it shows how that relationship with Jabba is so important to him. Yeah, it not only demonstrates his relationship with Jabba, it demonstrates his character, which is an important thing to establish for someone who's at Jabba's palace because you have to... You kind of start from a baseline of assuming, like, these are all scum. Yeah. (laughs) But it was interesting. I mean, it was very weird in the way that it humanized Jabba. Like, I've never thought of that guy as having a friend. Oh, absolutely. Any kind of friend. Any version of friendship. Or, like, if it's a friend, it's like Kim and Han, where it's it's all business and the slightest turn of events where it goes wrong, it no it's out the window. Yeah. yeah from, so, like the story of Malakili and the Rancor, this is a short story that has just always stayed with me for whatever reason. It humanizes Jabba in a way that I don't think any of the story ever has in canon or legends. No one really tries or cares. Yes, he's still a villain who has done terrible things, but he actually has a friend who he once saved. Am I happy that Slug will die soon after this? Yes, absolutely. But it's also nice to see him treated as more than just this gangster villain that he is in almost every other story. Yeah. It it feels like it gives Jabba more depth than usual. And I think it's also important that this is done not from Jabba's perspective. I don't think it would have worked from his perspective. I feel like the Star Wars villains of yore, so Jabba, Boba Fett, the Emperor, not Vader was the exception. All of these villains were like made to be very clear-cut, like this unit has no soul. Tarkin. There's nothing in there. They do not care about the lives of the little people they don't even care about the lives of like their colleagues like they will just kill those people indiscriminately if they make a mistake or if they get in their way and like it's there's i feel like there's been a a move in like recent star wars especially towards making that a little bit more gray like more villains being redeemed i'm even thinking of people like um Oh gosh, what is her name from Battlefront? Aiden Versio? Mm-hmm. Or like, I mean, I don't want to talk about it, but Kylo Ren. I don't want to talk about it because I hate that redemption arc. It's terrible. But like, I I kind of, like, I like, I do like that there's both, right? Like, I think there's room for both types of villains in Star Wars. Villains that are a little complicated, who like, they're the kind of, like, if you're looking at a D&D alignment chart, they're not just, like, absolutely chaotic evil or lawful evil. They have some room for, like, if they have a person in their lives who they really care about, they will accept that person from the rules sometimes. If that person turns out to be, like, I don't know, skimping on their imperial taxes or something. <laughs> but... I don't know. I always placed Jabba really firmly in the like. I mean, he's a crime lord. I, I I think he still stays in that place. He just actually has an actual friend, but that doesn't mean he's not a terrible slug. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was going on with Luke's force powers in these in this story? Romance? No. <laughs> Why? Did you ship this, no. Luke and Effinmon? Okay, be serious then. What is going on with Luke's force powers in this story? <laughs> You mean in terms of like making Effent see the his life? Yeah. Like to my knowledge, Luke has never done that before or since. No. I, I think he was trying to reach inside Effent and see who he truly was. 
And because I, I think he got a sense that Effin was not as bad as everyone else around him. And in Luke trying to reach into Effin's soul and see who he is, Effin saw himself for who he was. And that's why he had those flashbacks. Did it seem like he was like a tiny bit force sensitive or something? Because he also got vibes off of Luke. I could believe right it. away. Yeah, that was interesting. I just, I, I don't, it was interesting, but I don't really like that use of the force. No? No. I, I, I liked it, like, because I don't, I don't think Luke necessarily saw what Evan saw. I think Luke just saw. Got a sense of his character. Exactly. And mm-hmm. in doing that is what made Evan see these things. Like, it reminded Evan of a character he has because of where he's come from. Mm-hmm. And like Luke said, it just, you know, he's been led astray because People can be, things can go wrong. You take a wrong path or someone, the wrong person helps you or whatever. Oh, yeah. So, but you can still come back. I, I think this actually fits really well with how Luke is always trying to redeem someone, frankly. Yeah. Oh, my God. Boy cannot stop trying to redeem people. Now let's check the holonet for messages. So, last month, Star Wars Legends Lounge, done by Aaron Motes, asked us what characters we would like to see from uh, Legends brought over into canon. And he has answered that question for himself. So the five characters he names are first, Borskphalia, a delightful smarmy foil to Mon Mothma in the New Republic Senate, and mm. I am all for Borsk coming up. I like that, because I do not enjoy the New Republic Senate post-episode six in New Canon. I, I think Ahsoka might be a really interesting place to bring in Borsk, just because we, mm. we know we're going to see Mon Mothma there, based on the trail. I'm not sure how much, but yeah, that could be interesting. Um, second, he says Dash Rendar. Aaron says, I think it's time. Cut down the machismo and rehab Dash. And I'd be happy to see Dash back. I know the name, but... um, Shaz the Empire. The book between five and six. The last book you read before this podcast for Star Wars. Oh, is that the one with the crime syndicate guy who is really into Leia? Yeah. Dash Rendar was in that book. (laughs) He was the main character. What? He was was the Han Solo standing because Han was in Carbonite. Okay. And that, that... so he had his time in the mid-90s when I came out, and some people really loved him. Some people were not a big fan of him. I, I like him, but that's more because he was the star of the video game, also Shadows of the Empire, and I really liked that game as a child. Okay. Yeah, I just don't have as much history with this character. Gavin and Asirius Sailor. Oh, I like that poll. Yeah, oh, I would love that. Card. I mean, we've both love Card. I think you even said Card is one. Yeah, like because I, he's easy to slot in. He, like he really you, is. You don't like, and the good thing about him is you don't need Mara to stick him in the story. Like, and frankly, he could work in any era. If you want to take on the higher public, you could make it work. Yeah, you could kind of put him anywhere. Yeah, he's inscrutable. I mean, I don't know if we ever find out more about his past, mm. but like to me, right now where he is is like he's just sort of a cut and paste, drop and click kind of Maybe character. In the hand of Thrawn duology, we will. Is Card in it? Maybe. I mean, it's a Zon book, so it's a safe bet Card's in it. At the time that we're recording this, listener, I am so close to getting to read <laughs> Spectre of the Past. I'm, like, within days of being allowed to read it, because Tom is almost done. Uh, I really go back and forth on, like, being very stoked and really wanting to rip the book out of your hands. <laughs> and um, being just nervous and enjoying the anticipation, I guess. And Aaron's final answer is Waru. He says in cap for the exclamation point. And Crystal is shaking her head with this. <laughs> I mean, you could totally put him somewhere. Like, like I've said before, <laughs> I think even to this podcast, I think there are two places he would fit. The higher public, because there are some ridiculous shenanigans, or the Dr. Afro comics. 
Sure. I think Bar would fit in either one of those very well. I just want them to drop the... If they do bring him over, I don't want him to be from another universe. Or make it more questionable if he actually... Like, don't tell yeah, us... Yeah, like, leave it open to interpretation. Yeah. Don't tell me. Don't yeah. tell me there's a multiverse in Star Wars. <laughs> and then Jay Mellinger, at Jedi under Knight under Jay, replied to this as well and gave, gave two answers. He says, what about, I think his name is Merg, the Togaran, the bipedal cat species from the Paradise Snare. Oh, I remember him. So first, you almost got the spelling right. Merg's name has three U's, not two, which is... <laughs> Tom thought it only had one. Star Wars for you. <laughs> but I, I agree, Merg is a, a wonderful character. It's a really interesting species. He was clearly the stand-in for Chewbacca before Chewbacca was around. You enjoyed that character from what I remember. Yeah, I did. And, I don't really remember anything about it besides I really liked him. I mean, sometimes that's all you need, right? You liked the character. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I can tell that, like, whatever happened, I must have liked him because I remember liking him now, even though I don't remember the plot of that series pretty much at all. And then Jay's second is Droma, the Rin from the New Jedi Order, which obviously you have not read. Nope. Droma's an interesting one. I really like him. I feel like you'd have to... I'm trying to not say spoilers... It, a lot would have to be different for him to work, but he would be a very interesting one to bring in, I would say. I would like to see the Rin species, because I don't think we've seen them in canon. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about, so I don't think we have. That actually doesn't mean anything. Sometimes I just don't remember what species we've seen. Well, these are interesting looking guys. Oh, okay. So they were in the um, novel Catalyst, uh, but that is the only place... I'm sorry, that and the Chiju Esli and Obi-Wan and Anakin Adventures. They've been slightly featured in canon, but they are primarily known for their Legends appearances. Hmm. With Droma probably being the most famous one. They, they are uh, interesting looking species. Well, <laughs> they were known for their musicality and diligent cleanliness. Combine that with the fact that the picture of the one that's on Wikipedia just looks very Hobbit-like to me, like a little traveling Hobbit. They I just like a garden gnome almost. Yeah, like they just look Hobbit-ish to me. I, personally, I think Merg would be a great choice. I think Droma could work, but you need to change a few things. Okay. Uh, next up, we have an email from Robin. This is uh, Robin's first email to us. Robin says, Hello, Thomas and Crystal. My name is Robin. I live in Germany, using the German flag emoji to tell us this, and I'm a big fan of your podcast and listen to it every day. Wow. We have enough content for someone to listen to this every day. Thank you. <laughs> I've heard your opinions about the Thrawn trilogy. It's fascinating to hear you talk about it with fresh eyes. You're right. Thrawn and Talonkard are mirrors to each other. Both try to get as much information as possible, and Marjade really had to make a good kill Luke at the right time plan. <laughs> My favorite character is Master Joris Sabayoth. Like Count Dooku, he is an interesting character. If only we would get more stories about him to explore. He seems to get his Jedi training as an adult from a private mentor, maybe explaining his more jerk-like personality. <laughs> maybe he was once a good noble Jedi. He had lived a, a life outside the Jedi Order. Maybe he grew up with older brothers and sisters, helping his father at work. That explains his good relationship with the young Anakin and his desire to explore the next universe outside the Republic. He seems to be a very powerful Jedi because the Emperor took the trouble to make a clone of him that he never used for anything. Maybe just curiosity? I like the idea that his spirit was reborn in the new clone. What do you think? It's really sad Crystal spoil about the legendary Luke Skywalker. Hmm. I wish you well and hope you continue the good work. May the Force be with you. Yeah, it would be interesting to explore more about the original Sabaoth. So, 
he is a major character in the Outbound Flight novel, which came out uh, 04, 05, sometime around then, mm-hmm. set well before the original trilogy, obviously, because Anakin and Obi-Wan both appear in that. And it's a some of my favorite Zon books, but I liked it quite a lot. And we get, we certainly don't get a ton of Sabaoth backstory, but if you haven't read it and you are a Sabaoth fan, it's definitely worth reading, I would say. I can't remember. I don't know if you'll remember. In that book, was it clear what his upbringing within the Order had been like? I don't know off the top of my head. So. My guess is that they would have tried to make it, since it came out in like 04 or 05, my guess is that they would have tried to make his history match more with a prequel understanding of how Jedi are trained and raised than with like, I don't know, when Zahn wrote the Thrawn trilogy in the early 90s, like... he Things changed a lot. Yeah, since things yeah. changed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The book itself definitely felt felt more in line with what happens to the prequels because that's when it's set is in the prequel era. Yeah. And I'm assuming Sabaoth's backstory did too. Sabaoth. Uh, a few other places that the original Sabaoth does pop up include Darth Plagueis. Wow, I don't remember him being in that. Cloak of Deception. And then he's mentioned in a few of the books, Star Wars Galaxies Empire Divided, uh, Star Wars Rebellion, and of course he's mentioned throughout the uh, Thrawn trilogy and uh, other places as well. But there's not a ton of books with him. Outbound Play is the biggest one. And then either Plagueis or Darth Plagueis or Clerk of Deception would probably be his second biggest role. I don't remember much about him in either of those books, though. No, it's been so long since I read Plagueis. It would have been like several years. Yeah, I mean, it was before we started the podcast for sure. Yeah, I, I feel like in either of those books, it would have been more like a passing. Yeah, like in Rise of the Red Blade, we see Ahsoka very briefly. Yeah. So I think it'd be kind of like that, most likely. Maybe a little more than Ahsoka did, but not significantly. Like a more. scene, a, a brief scene, and that's kind of it. Not yeah. a major player. So yeah, if you like uh, Sabaoth, uh, definitely read Outbound Flight and give uh, Darth Plagueis a Cloak of Deception, a couple of other prequel Aaron Alves a try as well. Can you believe we used to pronounce his name Kaboth? Kaboth. Kaboth. So Robin, thank you so much for that email. And we're so glad you are enjoying the podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and the rest to come. Yeah, thanks for listening. Next up, we'll be starting the Corellian Trilogy, one of my personal favorite stories in the 90s from outside the big authors. And that begins with Ambush of Corellia, written by Roger McBride Allen. You can look forward to that coming out on September 3rd. And how does Crystal feel about this series? We'll find You'll out. just have to find out. I'm not spoiling it. Thanks to Thomas for editing. And thanks for Crystal going with Crazy Idea. And thanks to you for listening. You can email us at tk331podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on the website formerly known as Twitter at TK331Podcast. I just can't bring myself to no. call it X. It sounds silly. It's stupid. It makes me feel both too old and too young. Yeah. Like, what audience are they appealing to with that? None. <laughs> anyway, if you like this podcast, you can tell a friend about it, please. Or a family member, or even a stranger on the street. Just... Hey, you! Listen to TK Three Three One podcast. Yeah, you might you might catch someone. You never know. And if you really like this podcast, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast reviewing platform of your choice. And now here it is: your moment of Star Wars. Okay, you're right, Valerian said resignedly. I won't try muscling you, but look, she tried more reasonably. He will fall soon. You can't deny that. If Not from my pushing, but from someone else's. Don't you think I know, I told her. 
I've already got an idea Tessic's up to something, with Reese and a few others helping too, and I'm pretty sure Talmon's been cut in on the deal. I try to warn Jabba of plots when I find them, but I can't find them all. Then why not leave him, she cajoled, putting a hand on my shoulder. We could have a beautiful deal together, you and I. We're alike, aren't we? Both fighting our way up from nothing. Maybe for you it was nothing, I answered. For me it was different. Somehow her words had pulled up a memory again, and I was seeing the sunlit, wide grasslands of a planet far away. It was something, all right. I had something. Simple, maybe, but clean, open, and honest. Funny, but I haven't thought about it for a lot of years. But twice today... What? she asked, dropping her hand and stepping back to eye me questioningly. Realizing I'd slipped off into a weird reverie, I jerked myself back. Oh, nothing, I said sharply. But look, please just believe me, Valerian. There's a knot tying me to Jabba that no money or promises are gonna cut.